I said to you a little earlier, uh, for those that were here, that today is the first Sunday of Missions Festival. We are one of two campuses of Mount Perrin North. Uh, for those that may not be familiar with that, we are Mount Perrin North. We are the Canton campus. Uh, and uh, we also have a campus in Marietta. The Marietta campus was the campus that sent us, that launched us uh, a little over two years ago here to this community. And uh, and before doing that, in, in the 25 years of existence of our Marietta campus, uh, and even before that, when we were a part of Mount Perrin, what we call Mount Perrin Central, but Mount Perrin Church of God down inside the perimeter, uh, missions was a huge part of the DNA of our church. Uh, missions is a big deal for us. It, it really is a, a core piece to who we are as a church. And so one of my favorite things to do um, is to participate in Missions Festival. Missions Festival is a once-a-year thing for us to pause in, in our ministry calendar and to celebrate what God has been doing and what God is doing around the world through Mount Perrin North Missions. And so um, this Sunday and next Sunday at both of our campuses, we're celebrating that. We're looking at what God's done, what God's going to do, we believe in this next year. And so we try to highlight some stories. We try to um, utilize the, the people that are a part of our missions ministry or a part of our congregations who have been in missions or been involved in missions in some way and let them tell their stories a little bit to, to really kind of highlight what God's been doing. And so um, next week, you will have the opportunity to meet two of our missionaries that we support. We, we as a church support 15 missionaries in 14 different countries um, we also have some brand new partners, which take that number up to about 19 missionaries in, in 16 countries. Um, but, uh, but currently, we're 15 missionaries in 14 countries. And you'll have the opportunity next week to meet two of those missionary and partner couples. One of those couples is from China, uh, and one of those couples is from India. And so I'm so excited for you to meet them next week. You're going to hear a little bit about their story. Uh, they'll be in part, go into our, our children's environments and tell a little bit. Uh, about what God's doing in their part of the world as well, which will be a lot of fun. So I encourage you to bring your kids next week if you've got those and, and bring them here. But this week, we have an incredible opportunity to um, interview a member of our congregation. And so I'm going to ask Stephanie Hightower to come on up. Stephanie's right down here. Can we give her a hand? <laughs> Stephanie's mom and dad and brother are a part, along with Stephanie, are a part of our congregation. We don't see Stephanie as often because she's away in college right now up in Cleveland, Tennessee, which is uh, God's country. And, uh, and so she's up there, but uh, her family is a part of, of our church. Her mom and dad are not here today. Um, they, were, they were on the schedule to serve in the setup and teardown, which I thought was funny, but they were on a trip, which is totally fine. So they said, since we can't be there, instead of just letting you know we can't be there, we've told Stephanie she has to come home from college and she's got to serve for us. So, um, so she did that and jumped in today, but it worked out perfectly. So a couple, maybe a week or two ago, we talked about the aspect or the idea of, of allowing Stephanie to share her story. Stephanie last year spent about nine months, I think it was, eight months, um, down in Uruguay, uh, which is uh, obviously in South America. And uh, she spent some time down there just really kind of doing ministry, a part of a discipleship training program. So I'm going to let her share a little bit of that. But what I would love for you to do is tell us, um, what was going on in your heart or in your life prior to you making that decision? Because you looked at a couple of different places to possibly go. But I remember some initial conversations you and I had about, I'm thinking about going and doing some missions somewhere. What was happening in your heart that really compelled you to, to look for those opportunities? Um, well, first, it was about a two and a half year process of me saying, 
I want to do missions. Um, I went to Dominican Republic as my first international uh, mission trip. And so I just really felt like my calling was to do missions. And slowly and slowly, it just got bigger and bigger. And um, so I contacted Jeremy, um, I guess it was like a, over a year ago. Yeah. Um, and I said, you know, I have a heart for missions. I kind of want to pull myself out of school, which students <laughs> don't do don't that do without that. your parents' permission, <laughs> right? Don't just be like, hey, I'm leaving. I got a plane ticket and you're broke. You probably couldn't do that anyway. But okay, yeah, I get it. And um, I said, Jeremy, this is what I'm kind of interested in, like these sections. And um, he said, okay, I'll give you a list of countries. Pray, pray about that. And um, slowly it kind of like unraveled. I got to meet some of the missionaries of the countries that I was trying to decide on. And um, my goal was kind of to leave in April. And um, in February, I was like, okay, God, leaving in two months. Where am I supposed to go? And uh, so finally, he, uh, he told me I was supposed to go to Uruguay. Awesome. Awesome. So you went to Uruguay. You left in April. Mm -hmm. um, and again, you were down there about eight months. But what did you do while you were in Uruguay? Um, for four months, I did a discipleship training. And um, every day we would do a devotion. And then we would have an hour long of uh, praying by ourselves, worshiping, and having our own little devotion. And this was with a group of, of other people, right? Yes, I mean, there, was there a, were, a team there were of four people. of us in the yeah. house. Yeah. Um, and so uh, I was the only American. They were all Uruguayan. But luckily, there was one person in the house that did speak English. Nice. So that was, that was a real comfort. Um, the, um, we had a homeless ministry um, once a week. We would go to the capital, Montevideo, and we would uh, feed the homeless and kind of minister to them and just talk to them. Um, they just enjoyed talking to us and just telling them, telling us our, uh, their story and stuff. Um, and then um, our last month of the training, we went to Brazil for a month. Um, and sa sadly, a lot of the stuff had to get canceled because there was a lot of protests going on during that time. Right. Um, but we were still able to minister within the church that we were staying at. Um, and then I came back and I graduated from the discipleship training and I moved in with uh, two of our missionaries that uh, we sponsor. Um, uh, and uh, I worked in their church uh, with the kids and with the youth and just different programs that they had within the church. That's awesome. Yeah, the partners that she's talking about, Ramon and, and Elba, are, are pastors there in uh, just outside of Montevideo, um, Uruguay. And we've sent missions teams there, short-term trips. Some of you have probably been on some of those trips. But um, great folks. And so you lived with them for a little while. Since you've been back, you got back in November, I think, something like that. Since you've been back, and I know that you jumped right back into school. You jumped in in January, and, and you've been in school since then. But um, since you've been back, what, what has God really done in your heart, maybe while you were there and then since you've been back, about just kind of opening you up to kind of a global perspective of, of what he is doing around the world? Um, he's definitely shown me that there's a lot of need in the world for God. Um, Uruguay is the only country in South America that has not had a Jesus revolution. Um, so they're in really big need. And um, they actually just legalized marijuana. And they're the first country in the, uh, South America to uh, legalize marijuana. So there's an obvious need for uh, just God throughout the world. Um, and then, like, he's also just taught me how important worship is. Um, before I left, you know, it, I would just, like, sing the words, go through the motions, and then it took not knowing what I was singing about to really understand, you know, it's not about me, and it's just about my heart and giving it all to God. Yeah. 
That's awesome. Very good. Can we give her a hand? Thanks so much. You know, I think she spent eight months in, in Uruguay, and, and that's exciting. Uh, you know, I think it's cool that there was somebody that could speak English when she got there because that would have been weird not to, not to do that. I heard a joke one time. What, what's someone that can speak three languages? Oh, that's trilingual. What's someone that can speak two languages? That's bilingual. What's someone that can speak one language? That's an American. So, uh, yeah, it's funnier than you laughed for. So, uh, but no, you know, missions is a big part of what we do. And what Stephanie was able to experience last year um, when she was gone for those eight months, is to kind of get outside of that one perspective that so many of us have. We have kind of one view of the world, and, and, and it, nobody's at fault for that. But if you think about it, we get into this rhythm and routine of how we do life, and it's kind of centered around what we do on a daily basis, day after day after day. And so, you know, your view of life is kind of centered in Woodstock or Holly Springs or Hickory Flat or Canton or, you know, Atlanta, somewhere in, the, in this area where you kind of, you live, you, you work, you do life, your kids play ball, they go to school or you're retired or whatever your phase of life is. If we're not careful, we think, it kind of shrinks our perspective down to we think that this is what the world is like. And so sometimes we're able to get outside of that. Maybe even just locally, we're able to kind of drive our car to a different area of town. And we go, oh, wow, this doesn't look anything like where I live. And so I see a little different perspective of the world. But what I love about missions, and I've had the opportunity to travel to so many places in the world. What I love about it is every single time I come back, I am reminded that the world is bigger than I am used to on a daily basis, that, that not just are the people there the same as me in that they're just doing life the way that I do life, but they do it in a different setting, a different context, but the world's bigger than I envision when I'm in my daily routine. You know, when you look at some words in our English language, I mean, we talked a little bit about English, we made fun of it, but when you look at some words in our English language, you have biology, right? Biology is, you know, the gift of Satan in school, I think. But biology is really the study of living things. You have sociology, right? It's the study of kind of society and the interaction of people. You have psychology, which is the study of kind of the psyche, the human brain and how we are wired and how we work. And then you get into some, some more, you know, Christianese type words like theology. Theology is the study of or really your view of God, the things of God. There's a word that we don't use as often as we even use the idea of theology, and it's Christology, and it is the study of Christ. It's what we believe about and how we interact with the person and the work of Jesus Christ. And then there's ecclesiology. Ecclesia is a word we talked about several months ago. It's the idea of the church, the gathering of God's people. So when you have an ecclesiology, it's the study of or your view of the church. And so if you have a healthy ecclesiology, you have a healthy view of the church. Some people have an unhealthy ecclesiology, the way that they view the church and the purposes of the church. And then we get to a word that very few of us have ever heard. And if we've ever heard it, we didn't probably know what it meant. And if we did know what it meant, we've never said it again or heard it again other than that one or two times. And it's this word, missiology. It's the study of missions. It's the, the things that you and I believe about and think about related to missions and the mission of Jesus Christ. It occurs to me that anybody that's ever going to accomplish anything great, whether that be on a really small scale like a sports team, I'm a big sports fanatic, so everything kind of centers back through sports, but 
Any team that's got, they're, they're wanting to accomplish the win. They have a game plan. They have a mission, right? They, they have something that they're going to try to do. The other night, North Carolina beat Duke in basketball, which was awesome, because they had a good defensive game plan in the second half. They changed defenses like three times, and Coach Krzyzewski, or whatever you say his name, he had no clue what was happening to him, right? His team got, got a little jumbled, and they didn't score for like nine minutes because North Carolina had a good mission, a game plan. In the military, we see that armies and squadrons and troops and these people, they go out on mission. They've been giving their marching orders and they go out on mission to accomplish whatever the task is for their individual uh, group or or, or, uh, parts of of the army there. The things that they're supposed to carry out is their mission. And in scripture and in our relationship with God, there is also a mission. And a lot of people have a lot of different views about missions and mission and what it means. But I wanted to read this quote, and this will not be on the screen. Really, nothing will for the next few minutes because it's not going to take us long today. Uh, But missions, according to John Piper, who is a pastor, uh, he says this. Missions is not the ultimate goal of the church. Worship is. Missions exist because worship doesn't. Now, think about that for a second. Missions is not the ultimate goal of the church. Worship is. And missions exist because worship doesn't. Worship is ultimate, not missions, because God is ultimate and not man. When this age is over and the countless millions of the redeemed fall on their faces before the throne of God, missions will be no more. It is a temporary necessity, but worship abides forever. Worship, therefore, is the fuel and the goal of missions. It is the goal of missions because in missions we simply aim to bring the nations into the white-hot enjoyment of God's glory. The goal of missions is the gladness of the people in the greatness of God. And listen to this last part. This This is really great. But worship is also the fuel of missions. Passion for God in worship precedes the offer of God in preaching. You can't commend what you don't cherish. You can't recommend what you don't love, if you, if you maybe would phrase it that way. Missionaries will never call out, let the nations be glad, who cannot also say from their own heart, I rejoice in the Lord, and I will be glad and exalt in him. I will sing praise to his name, O Most High. These are found in Psalms. Missions begins and ends in worship. This is a quote from Pastor John Piper, but it's the idea that missions is a temporary necessity to ensure that other places in the world where worship does not exist, that worship can exist. So Stephanie referenced the idea that Uruguay, what she realized there in Uruguay was that there was a huge need for God. What was there a need of? There was a need for those people, that group of people, to acknowledge God and worship Him with their lives. And so, since there is an absence of worship, there is a need for missions. Does that make sense? So since there's an absence of worship in that place, missions needs to exist to come and help bring about worship. Not just the singing of songs. The declaration of the heart that he is who he says he is. That he does love us like we just sang about. And we in return can love him too. But we understand that if you read scripture and you read all the way to the end of the book. That there is coming a day when every knee will bow And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. There will be a day when every human being will worship, will acknowledge who he is. And in that day, missions will need to be no more. Because worship will exist uh, for everyone. Which is a huge, huge reality. So when you and I think about missions, 
we have to think about it as, I think, an absence of worship. That we send people to go and help bring about worship where it does not exist. If you read through scripture, and this is to help kind of craft our missiology, what we believe, what we think about missions. When you read through scripture, one of the the clearest places that we are exposed to the mission of Jesus Christ, and it, it is all throughout the gospels, but one of the clearest places that we have, and many of you could quote it, is Matthew 28, 19. It's the Great Commission. Jesus is talking to his disciples just before he leaves the earth. And he says, therefore, go into all nations and, and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And he continues on in verse 20. And he says, teach them all the things that I've commanded you. And I am with you always, even to the ends of the age. So there's a lot of promises in there, but there's also these commands Therefore, go. There is something, some action, some response to what we've seen and heard that we are supposed to do. We're supposed to go. We're supposed to be a part of the expansion of the ministry of Jesus Christ. Now, interestingly here, when you and I see this word go into all the world or go into all the nations, we are conditioned now, if you had any type of geography lesson in school, to think about it in the, the terms that we are used to as it relates to the current nations on the map. If you look at a map, you look at something online, you can see that we're clustered together and there are boundary lines that someone created to, to say, hey, this is a nation. This is, a, this is a kingdom here. This is a place in the world. But really, this was something larger than that or even smaller than that because it wasn't about the specific nations that change over the course of time. Those nations that used to exist may not exist anymore. Those that exist today may not exist 10 years from now. So this is not about the specific nations. But in the, in the original language, the phrase there for all the world or all the nations is panta te ethni. It's the idea that we're going into the multi-ethnic linguistic groups, all the people groups of the world. And so we're not breaking it down by where do they live geographically. We are saying wherever there's a cluster of people that speak a same language, they have a same kind of culture, we want to make sure that out of that culture, out of that people group, worship can arise out of that and declare that Jesus is Lord. And wherever that doesn't exist, we are commanded to therefore go to that people group and reach them with the gospel. And it, it, it's been said that there are still thousands and thousands of people groups that have not been exposed to the gospel of Jesus Christ, which seems crazy to me because my perspective is centered around this community. It's centered around the southeastern United States where you bump into an atheist and that just means former Southern Baptist, right? I mean, it's just everybody that you know was a former something. I mean, they're like, you know, instead of second cousins twice removed, they were a Baptist before they were a Methodist, before they became Pentecostal for a little while, before they decided to get rid of the whole lot of us. Because everybody, it seems, has some spiritual experience, church experience somewhere in their background. But the idea that around the world, literally thousands and thousands of people groups making up more than one or even two billion people on the face of the earth have never been exposed to the gospel. Think about that. What we take for granted. What we come in and are comfortable singing about and expressing. And listening to on a weekly basis. That there are several thousand clusters of people around the world. Some in very small clusters. Some in very large 
clusters. That they've never been exposed to the gospel to have opportunity to worship Jesus Christ. And it's interesting to me that Matthew, who is the writer there of the first of the gospel accounts, Matthew writes, quoting a prophet in the Old Testament, he quotes the prophet Isaiah. And this is what he says in Matthew chapter 12. He said, here is my servant. This is the prophet speaking for God about the one that's to come. Now, Matthew's quoting this in reference to Jesus, who is now on the earth as the fulfillment of this prophecy. He said, here is my servant whom I've chosen, my beloved in whom my soul delights. I will put my spirit on him and he will proclaim justice to the nations. Again, not boundary lines on your map, but these groups of people. And the nations will put their hope in his name. He will proclaim justice to the nations. And the nations will proclaim his name. Our theme verse for our missions festival over this Sunday and next Sunday is found on a lot of the printed material that you may have or you can pick up on your way out. Our, our theme for this entire, in this entire missions festival is your kingdom come. And, and the verse that we, we pull that from is in Revelation chapter 11. And I want to read that to you quickly. It's on some of that mat- printed material that you may have there in your worship guide. But it says this, the kingdoms of the world have become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Messiah, and he will reign forever and ever. Now, this is speaking about the things that are to come. This is in Revelation. It is looking ahead to what's going to happen. But it is the idea that the kingdom or the kingdoms of the world will become the kingdom of God. That all the different kingdoms of the earth are transformed and fit under and are are under the authority of, of God. And of his Messiah, of Jesus Christ, who came to be the anointed one, to be the Messiah. And he will rule and reign forever and ever. And so when I look at this, when I look at this theme, when I look at this idea, I, I, am, I can't help but think about the kingdoms of the world, right? I mean, if you're watching the Winter Olympics like me, I mean, we watched the opening ceremony with our kids. And, you know, you had a couple nations that came out with 100 athletes. And then you had that nation that came out with like one athlete, right? He was the flag bearer. I mean, like he had no choice, right? I, I don't want to carry the flag. You got to. I mean, okay, so I'm carrying the flag now. So we see the small, we see the large nations. We see how they interact with one another. We see that, you know, every single time we turn on our television to any crazy winter Olympic event, I think they're just making these things up now in between events. Hey, what do you think if we put a guy on skis with a bow and arrow and you have him canoe down the ice? Sounds like a great event. Let's do it. I'm in. All right. So they're just making things up now. But you turn the television on, and it's like every single time, Canada and Russia and the United States and the Netherlands, they've always got a finalist in there. And then you see those little small nations, and it's like he's the one guy. She's the one girl from that nation. And you, I don't know, this is the way my brain works. I'm a hopeless romantic in so many areas of my life. I look at that, and I think, I bet the entire nation is focused right now. If there's a television, there's a radio, they're watching it, they're listening to it. If not, they're waiting on word to come back that, you know, that he meddled, that he finished the race, that he shot the bow and arrow in the canoe while skiing down the slope. I mean, we cannot wait to hear how he did. There's no snow in our nation, but he did it. He accomplished it, right? My brain goes there and I'm thinking, I hope he wins. He doesn't win. He comes in last. He hardly finishes the race. 
But I love that he's representing the entire hope of a nation. That whether or not anybody other than his mama knows that he's in Sochi or Soki or however you say it, he's there and somebody knows it and they're celebrating his accomplishment and he represents that nation. And here's the reality. All of the nations, from those that have 100 athletes to those that have one to those that are not even represented, all of those nations, according to Revelation chapter 11, will eventually become one nation. Not in the way that some people are scared of related to the end times where there's some new world order and everything comes under. All that's a part of the story and the narrative. But I'm talking about the the culmination of all things where everything is under the authority and the power and the rule and the reign of God the Father who created the world and has ultimately been playing out the story of the world to reconcile all things back to himself. And that is found... I think most vividly in 2 Corinthians, and this is how we're going to kind of conclude our time today. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 is written by a guy named Paul who wrote so much of the New Testament. And he writes a little bit about himself, and he writes a little bit about the people that he's writing to in the city of Corinth, and he writes a little bit about you and I. I think this is really powerful, beginning in verse 11 of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and this is what he says. Since then, we know what it is to fear the Lord. We try to persuade others. Since we know, we try to persuade others to know. Verse 13. If we are out of our mind, as some say, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. Verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone and the new is here. All this is from God. Listen to this. Who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us, listen to this. He reconciled us to Christ through, uh, he reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. Verse 20, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Here's my missiology. Here's what I believe about mission. I believe that God created the world. Sin destroyed the perfection that was the original creation. And God has been, since that time, reconciling the world back to himself. And you and I, in this moment in time, built on those who came before us and laying the foundation for those who should come after us, we are the ambassadors of God's work of reconciliation. I think Paul sums it up incredibly well. He says, God reconciled us to himself, and then he charged us with the message of reconciliation. It says, it's like saying this, we were lost. 
and now we're found. And now we have to go find other lost people and help them become found, right? Really, really simple stuff. Some of us have sang songs about that. We, we, it's been a part of us. We learned it in Sunday school. We learned it in children's church. We've heard thousands of sermons, way more articulate than this, to say, I'm just a, you know, a, a, a lost sinner, and, and I was found, and now I'm helping find other lost sinners and help them be found. I, I'm just a poor beggar helping other poor beggars how to find bread, right? I mean, it's, however you want to say it is the idea that I have been given a mission because my life has been affected. By mission. If you have in any way experienced the love of God, the reconciliation, the work of God to reconcile you back to Him through the work of Jesus Christ on the cross, you are now accountable to be in on the work of the mission of Jesus Christ to therefore go. Go. Maybe not go to Uruguay for eight months. Maybe not represent your country in the Winter Olympics. Therefore, go. He has charged us with the mission. He has committed to us the message of reconciliation. And then Paul calls us this really, really cool word that so perfectly relates to nations and kingdoms. He says, we are now Christ's ambassadors. You know, we have ambassadors as as a country. And we send them to other nations around the world to ensure that the interests of the United States are at least considered. Or if we need to get involved, we can send that ambassador to go and speak to someone and to talk to someone. Or we can listen to what they're saying and then word can be transferred back. The difference for us and the mission that we're on is we are about taking the nations of the earth and help the mission of God to reconcile all nations to himself, we're to make the nations of the earth one nation. Now that may sound like some type of coup and we're overthrowing government. That's not what we're doing. We're lifting up the name of Jesus Christ as Christ's ambassadors. We are ambassadors for the kingdom of God to preach reconciliation. And so it does not have to be in Uruguay for eight months. It doesn't have to be in China or India where where you'll meet some folks from next week. It doesn't necessarily have to be through a short-term missions trip, which we offer. You can be on mission in Canton. You can be on mission in Holly Springs and Hickory Flat and Woodstock. You can be on mission in Jasper. You can be on mission in Atlanta. You can be on mission in the United States. You can be on mission anywhere around the world. Why? Because you and I interact with people every single day who need to be exposed to the message of reconciliation. They need to know that we as ambassadors have a message of hope. And so you can be on mission here. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Today's message has to be concluded here due to some sensitive information that was shared in our service regarding some of our missionaries and partners in places around the world where their safety could be compromised. Therefore, we are unable to share that portion of our service. Have a great week, and we hope that you will join us again next week for week two of Missions Festival.